Welcome to this edition of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. A second episode this week. First, I had one Monday, and now I have one today. Now, neither one was very long, but put them together and you get one solid hour of interviews. I like to keep my interviews separate, except for those in the con floor where I'm talking to a lot of people who don't have a lot of time. I prefer to give creators their moment in the spotlight on the show, which is what I'm doing today. My guest is Rob Williams. His work includes writing for 2000 AD, Judge Dredd, DC Comics, Suicide Squad, and now he's back, working with Dynamite Entertainment to bring you Project Superpowers. Can you believe it has been 10 years since Dynamite brought back those public domain heroes from the golden age of comics? The Black Terror, the Green Llama, the Death-Defying Devil, and many more. Well, Rob is bringing those toys out of Pandora's box and back to comics, launching his new series with a zero issue on July 4th, and it's only 10 cents. And then the series launches in August with issue number one. So we talk about the series and a YA book he's also working on, Roy of the Rovers. That will be available in bookstores in September. Of course, I ask Rob the questions. I ask all my guests and his planned convention appearances and why he likes creator-focused conventions. And then after the closing credits, I have a little post-credit sequence for you to check out. And now from the UK, I bring you writer of Project Superpowers, Rob Williams. Here now on Creator Talks. Welcome to Creator Talks. Hi, thanks for having me. Before we get started, I'd like to know a bit about where you're from and your town. Like, if I were visiting you, and don't worry, I'm not packing, this is strictly hypothetical, what places should we go, what sites do we take in, and where should we stop to refresh ourselves afterwards? I live in Portishead, which is a town in just outside Bristol in the UK. The band Portishead, the famous band, were, were named after, after this place. Because I think it was quite a gloomy place, but it's 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 not quite so gloomy now. So where where would where would I suggest you go? Um, there's a good milkshake place in town if you like your milkshakes. I'd go there. Um, uh, you can get some refreshment there. But um, and then the docks. Walk around the docks and marina. That's kind of nice, really. And um, uh, yes, it'll be a pleasant day out for you. Ah, sounds fantastic. Now we are gathered here today to talk about the return of Project Superpowers through Dynamite. You'll be writing that. This is its uh, 10th anniversary since uh, Dynamite brought those characters back, these public domain golden age superheroes. And you're writing uh, the first issue, well, you're writing the series, but the first one coming out, the Zero issue is coming out in July. It's going to be 10 cents. Yeah, that's right. And it's a 16-page full kind of issue in, in a sense so you're getting your value for your money with that one it's like the old golden age prices <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's kind of a welcome thing it's just it was a good you know when we were planning it we sort of chatted and they asked if i'd be interested in doing an issue zero the issue zero is kind of like a tease you know it's almost like a prologue to the main series but it's also a very very brief summary of who these guys are and what's gone before but trying to do that as quickly as possible so we can get on with the story oh that's great so there's a little bit of time travel involved so you, as one of our characters the green llama is seeing some things sort of happened in the past you know you are as well now you're getting to play with these heroes from the golden age but you're not tied to any kind of continuity 
These are, like I said, public domain characters that Dynamite has brought back. And you can do with them pretty much whatever you want, even since the last series. That said, how much of the character's personality or background are you keeping from the Golden Age, if any? Given most of their personalities were fairly two-dimensional back then, you should be able to go nuts now and do whatever you want. Yeah, there, there is that aspect to it. And, and it's certainly a case of trying to make them you know, feel a bit more three-dimensional, perhaps, these days, and more contemporary and... And, and, and sort of thematically, that's something we're playing with with the series. It's, these are golden age characters, as you said. That you know, even in the book, in that you know, they came from the nineteen forties, and, and and now they're in two thousand and eighteen. So it's it's really trying to explore if these characters are still relevant today. What what about them works in today's world, and what doesn't? It's a superhero book, and, and any superhero book, the overriding theme is one of heroism, which never goes away and never gets old. You know, sacrifice and heroism. So. That's in there. But it really is a case of, yeah, these are accepting that these are old characters, but trying to create a storyline where they reflect that, but also have to try and work out whether or not they, they matter anymore, really. Well, yeah, is there a place for heroism in this world when, you know, it used to be very binary back in the 40s for them. They fought in World War Two and... Um, and that's something you see in the issue zero of them attacking Normandy. But these days, it's not such a binary world. The bad guys aren't quite so um, obvious, put it that way. Well, as prep to write this, did you feel the need to go back and read any of the older stories? Not from the Golden Age so much, because they're not that relevant, really, but from the last run of Project Superpowers to tie it all in. Yeah, I, I, re I read some, like the Dynamite guys sent me through a bunch of stuff, and um, I, I read a, you know, a, a fair few uh, things there. and um, So some of that is reflected in this new series, and, and some of it quite a lot isn't, because... But, you know, the last thing you want to do with an issue one or an issue zero of any new series is bog people down with this is the stuff that went before. You really have got to just go, here's a brand new story, here's the characters, and it'll be up to them to solve it. You know, the problem that's going to hit. So, um, yes, it's kind of, you, as ever with these things, you want to try and be respectful, but you also you know, want to have the freedom to do your thing with it. Well, Dynamite's always been pretty good about that, allowing creators just to start over again. How do you plan to tie this series into the previous one, other than the fact that the heroes come to the present? And is that through Pandora's box? That's what happened in the um, prior series. There was a case of they were in the 40s. There was, as you said, there was Hitler. There was a plot where Hitler had got hold of Pandora's box and the heroes in preventing, in saving the day then and stopping Hitler sort of um, using the magical abilities to actually destroy the world, they got trapped in the box and that's how they got brought to the present day. So we kind of acknowledge that, but we're not telling that story again. They're here. When, when our series starts, they're in 2018. They have been for a while. The events of the previous series have occurred. For instance, the you know, certain things like the death-defying devil, which is difficult to say. The person, I think, it was, who was wearing his outfit, he died prior. So the fact that he turns up, the death-defying devil, is a character here, is something that's confusing for the other team members, because they're like, well, hang on, he died. But somehow the suit is still walking around, and that's a big plot point, um, as you will see. Uh, and the whole thing with Pandora's box, yeah, might come back into it. Well, I don't want to give too much away. So as I say, we're, we're kind of being... We're nodding back to certain things that have come before, but you really don't need to have read the prior series to jump on board with this. Now, in the prior series, was that Pandora's urn? I believe it was. I, I mean, I think it was, it was an urn, but it was Pandora's box, right, by a different name. 
Good. I actually like the term Pandora's box better because <laughs> the urn always threw me. <laughs> yeah, there is. I'm not sure what that's about, but I think it was just a case of, yeah, it, it could change shape or something. It, 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 as far as we're concerned, it's Pandora's box. Now, one of the characters in the book is the spirit of the American flag. And can you explain what this character is and why it will need a new host. I have this written down to remind me, but it's effectively been defined before. It's the spirit of America. This is the shorthand way of all the sort of patriots and sacrifice that's gone into sort of making the nobility of what America should be at its best. Uh, so again, just the fact that we're now in 2018 in a, in a new era, it just really felt that if we want this book to be relevant to today and to reflect today, the spirit needs a new host. America changes and you know the world changes. So um, that just seemed like a uh, an interesting hook, you know, to actually sort of say this is a brand new book and, and here's a new variation on that character in particular. You will find a brand new character there and um, will be introduced. And very, it, it's kind of from that point on, it, the story is pretty much through their eyes, but I, I don't want to give too much away about who that character is. Well, there are a lot of characters in the book, the Black Terror, the Scarab Masquerade the death-defying devil, the green llama, and the spirit of the American flag. My personal favorite is the devil. And <laughs> this is a interesting story is when I was a kid and on a trip to, I believe it was Vermont, my parents stopped at a yard sale, picked up a whole bunch of books for me, comic books. In the pile was the death-defying devil from the 1950s, issue number 69. It was pretty beat, but it's the last issue with the devil in it because they changed the book over to Pee-wee and the Little Wise Guys right after that. Do you have a favorite character in the group? Um, I'm kind of enjoying writing all of them from the freedom that they give, really, in as much as you say. I've been writing a lot for DC the last few years. It's a shared universe. You know, anything you write has effects on other books, and things that happen in other books affect you. And in this case, it's really kind of like a, a whole superhero universe, and it's just been given to me. So in, in that sense, you know, Dynamite has been very good in that regard. I mean, I'm really enjoying writing The American Spirit and, and The Spirit's New Host. I'm being careful about my words without giving too much away. That, that's an interesting thing to do. I'm kind of, I'm enjoying uh, just in the first couple of issues. There's some fun to be had with things like, there's a running joke with Samson's blind. He's enormously powerful, but he's wearing this blindfold. He's, uh, there's little jokes like that. And I like the father Black Terror. Again, in 2018, it's not the best name for a superhero to have the black terror you know so there's there's certain aspects with that but they're all kind of fun really um do i have a favorite at this point it's the american spirit i think with this book you have a lot of characters in it and that must be fairly tough to write i mean how are you going to go about doing this so that none of the characters get lost and everybody gets their chance to shine and be developed when dynamite sent me the series from 10 years ago the alex ross and jim kruger it was the cast was like enormous and then uh, i think in the second run of that they introduced the sidekicks as well and suddenly an enormous cast went even bigger and uh, yeah, I've been writing Suicide Squad now for, for over two years, and I know firsthand just how difficult a team book can be uh, for that reason, really, because the moment you place the focus on one character, the other characters disappear a little. So one thing I was keen to do, I went, look, we're going to pick a small core group initially, we're going to focus on them, which is why some of the other characters like the Owl and Hydro and people like that, you know, they might come in, you might see them later on, but initially... I really didn't want to bog people down. And 
and also you kill the artist as well you know if an artist got to draw 20 characters in every panel it's um it can be a nightmare we're trying to sort of make it character focused and character centric you absolutely have to have an, an eye on with an ensemble book and you're going to be adding new characters now you don't have to tell me who they are leave the surprise for the readers but why are you introducing new characters? What's the purpose of that in this series? Um, I thought it would be fun. <laughs> um, I was kind of like, I, I kind of wanted, uh, without giving too much away, I wanted to give them a big bad, like a really big bad. It just happened, just felt natural. I kind of looked into sort of like some of the things that have come before and something suggested itself and seemed like a fun thing to do. But yeah, I mean, again, that's the fun freedom of the book. I am being given, you know, the leeway to actually sort of do what I want with it, really, to a large extent, with obviously certain editorial notes here and there. So yeah, it's um, going with your imagination, basically. But, but I, I do think The Big Bad is kind of fun. And, and you know, from a writer's point of view, I think these type of books are usually only as successful as the bad guys are memorable. So uh, hopefully we're coming up with a memorable bad guy. Now, the artist on the book, Sergio Davila, got to start at Dynamite actually doing Lord of the Jungle. What makes him the right man for the job? He's very good at superhero visuals. It's kind of, this is meant to be a kind of classic superhero book, and, and that's what Sergio is really, really good at. And uh, I think some preview arts come out. He's very good at the heroic poses. He's very good at the crowd scenes, you know, the group scenes with the heroes. Um, you know, the, his female characters look terrific. And he's just like, you know, we said going in that we wanted to feel like we were doing a Project Superpowers movie. And, and he does that kind of widescreen stuff, which, which we're aiming for really well. So, yeah, he's a good choice. So the Zero issue's out in July, and then the first issue's out in August. And from what I've read, there's no cap on this. So just going to leave it open and see where the series goes and how it does. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've got an initial... Oh, we're giving too much away. We've got an initial sort of like structure. The realities of the market will probably suggest how far it goes. If it does as well as everyone hopes, then you'll probably see an awful lot more of it. Now, something else you're working on, you have another project coming up, writing a series of YA novels of Roy of the Rovers. Now, listeners in the States might not be as familiar with this as the project Superpowers. So please share with me who this fictional footballer is and folks in the States that's soccer. And <laughs> why it connects with you on such a personal level. Roy Rovers in Britain is one of the classic comics, basically. He's as famous as, I don't know, for the States. He's a Tintin or a Dennis the Menace or something, you know. He went back to the 1950s and he was always this classic sort of football striker, blonde haired. Uh, he had a trademark shot called The Rocket, and he played as sports comics often do, in like a Rocky type of thing, just the classic sporting moments, the last second winning goal, you know, is just, that's who Roy Verovers was. So he, Roy Verovers was published for many years, and then um, in the 90s, I think, it ceased publication. So we're bringing it back, but we're relaunching it with a younger 17-year-old Roy. Again, very much sort of trying to make it appeal to young adults. Football is the most popular sport in the world, probably. Yeah, and and uh, there is something about Roy Rovers which is just classic sporting drama. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're telling his new tales. And um, I'm currently writing the second graphic novel at the moment. And um we got really high hopes about it. We had a very good reaction to the initial launch news and the initial art shows and things like that. Yeah, the World Cup's on at the moment. Now is the time to be doing a Roy Rovers comic, I think. And when is that going to hit the market and how can we get a hold of that? September, I believe, the first uh, graphic novel's out. Um, and uh, you'll be able to get it through bookstores, I think, and you, in the States you'll be able to get it through Amazon and things like this. I'm, I'm not entirely sure it'll be in traditional comic shops. It might be, but I think this is really something that's more predominantly aimed at the bookstore market. 
Well, I have some fun questions for you. I ask all my guests if you have some time for that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, when you're not writing and working on comics and YA novels, what do you like to do for rest and relaxation? I've got two children. I have no rest and relaxation. Um, uh, what do I do for rest and relaxation? Um, I like watching movies. I like occasionally playing uh, five-side football, I guess, or soccer. Probably spend far too much time playing things like Championship Manager on football management games on the computer, uh, reading books. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Walking my dog. But those are all things that I might start crying even talking about because I do none of those things because I have two children. And, um, <laughs> I'm a professional taxi service at the moment. <laughs> I understand. Thinking back to a birthday that stands out in your memory, why does it stand out? What was special about it? That is a difficult one. Special memory of a birthday. Maybe eight, nine years old, I remember getting a, a Star Wars birthday cake. Um, with uh, with an X-wing on top of it, that was pretty special. Uh, I don't know if I was eight or nine, something like that. Oh, and then well, how old would I have been? I think the first time I went to San Diego Comic Con was probably about thirteen years ago. We were in San Francisco, I think, the week afterwards, and it was my birthday. And we went out in San Francisco, drank too much whiskey, and hired a convertible the next day and drove down to Monterey to go whale watching. That was fairly memorable. <laughs> Although I felt so hungover from the whiskey, I was virtually hanging out the side of a convertible all the way down the coast and feeling absolutely atrocious. So it wasn't quite as idyllic as I initially made it sound. So yeah, I'll pick that one. And still thinking back to when you were a teenager, about 12 to 14 years of age, what posters or pictures did you have in your room? Oh, that would be telling now. Are you going to get me incriminated? I think I, I may have had... What did I have on my wall? I, I bad heavy metal bands, probably. People like um, Def Leppard. And uh, I had a poster of Debbie Gibson. I think I had a teenage crush on Debbie Gibson. <laughs> that shows my age. I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I think I've embarrassed myself enough. I'll stick with those answers. Well, at the time, what were you listening to? What was in heavy rotation on your cassette player or turntable? Uh, it was, yeah, Bad Heavy Metal. It was Night Ranger. Uh, I liked a British prog band called Marillion. I had dubious teenage taste in music, it turns out. But, um, yeah, it would, it would probably be like band posters like most people hypothetically if you were stuck on a deserted island and you could only have one book with you and it doesn't have to be practical something fun that you'd want to read it can be a graphic novel it can be a prose novel what would that one book be well i've not read it for years i mean i uh, i'll go for joseph heller's catch 22 because i think that when i did read it that had a huge effect upon me so i'd be interested to see if i still like it as much now as i did 20 20 odd years ago 25 years ago so um yeah i'll i'll, I'll go for catch 22 is there anything that you read repeatedly like once a year that you just love to get back into reading no i'm not really much of a repeat reader i think the only book i've ever read several times in my life is lord of the rings um i've not read that for a very long time i read that probably when i was about 13 something like that and then went back and read it again when in my 30s but no i'm not really there's too many books out there that I haven't read with, you know, without going back to reread, to be honest with you. Do you find the same issue with movies, that there's too many out there and too many things you want to see, you really don't have a chance to go back and watch ones over and over again? To an extent. There's, I'm, I'm more so... I mean, there's things like... I mean, I can watch... Some of my favourites is like the Verdict, Paul Newman film, and uh, Michael Clayton is a recent one. I, there's films like that which I can re-watch several times and, and thoroughly 
get something out of them every time. In fact, I mean, you know, and then I'll kind of go back and I'll watch director's commentaries on those type of things as well to get a different view on them. Yeah, I'm, I'm more likely to sort of rewatch movies when I certainly when I am to read books. So, I mean, since I have kids, reading novels is, um, yeah, the time to do that is, is far more precious. I don't read as much as I used to. So there's always about you know, eight books by my bedside table where I'm thinking, oh God, I really would love the time to read those. So yes, there's too many books in the world. Yeah, I have the same problem. I have to get a bigger table for my bedside. <laughs> yeah. And it's always like eyes are bigger than belly, right? Because I'll buy books and I how that I read a good quote somewhere. Someone said when you buy books, you what you're really doing is you think you're buying the time to actually read them. I'll always have you know buy books but i and i still already have five still on my table still to go so yeah i'm I'm never sure of books with the family and all the work you have to do do you have any time to follow any comics that you like yeah i um, i read what did i read i caught up on the end of extremity yesterday by daniel warren johnson i thought that was terrific i've enjoyed that all the way through kill or be killed i read uh, recently the ed Baker, sean phillips enjoyed that very much um i'm sure there's many others but um oh and i read garth ennis's and goran parlov's uh punisher max barracuda i really enjoyed when i was younger i used to be like it was the monthly things following titles and reading them monthly these days I'm, I'm way more sporadic stuff will sit on my table for a long time and i'll eventually get around to reading them and be blown away by them whatever so yeah but there's good stuff out there if a company were to make an action figure of you what would be your accessory? It would be a wine bottle. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me sound like I have some kind of terrible social problem. I'll settle for a wine bottle. I think that would be all right. My glasses come anyway, right? Because I'd be blind action figure. So <laughs> I'm not taking that as an accessory. That's a necessary part of me. Uh, yeah, all right. I'll settle for a wine bottle. Okay. And that actually probably answers my next question. What is your beverage of choice when you're resting and relaxing? <laughs> it's wine <laughs> bursting into tears help me chris help me is it red white wine merlot cabernet it's fortified wine on benches uh on the you'll see me in street corners no it's um <laughs> what would it be? my my wine of choice I, I quite like a malbec at the moment uh i'm always enjoying a nice sauvignon blanc Really depends on what wine, but yeah, that would I, I do enjoy a couple of glasses of wine every now and again. That'd be lovely. Final question: What is the one question you have not been asked in an interview? Something you want to be asked about? Something you want people to know about you that they don't know? That's too big and too vast. What I just more what I don't want people to know about me, like <laughs> appalling wine consumption. I don't really know that. It's just kind of. I don't have an answer for that, Chris, really. There's nothing in particular that I want people to know about. I'm just happy doing what I'm doing, really, which is perhaps a boring answer, but there you go. Um, I'd like to be appreciated for the quality of my taxi driving, certainly. <laughs> well, if you enjoy doing what you're doing, that's not a boring answer. That's a wonderful answer. I wish everybody enjoyed what they did. Yeah, and, it, you know, being serious for a second, it's the luckiest job in the world where you like all of us interested in comics, grew up reading comics, loving comics. And so to get a chance to actually do it for a living and to write comics for a living is um, sometimes I sort of catch myself, can't believe how lucky I am. I mean, in, you know, in recent years, for instance, you go back to when I was uh, probably about 18 or something and I'm, I'm reading, you know, Jim Lee, his X-Men run and absolutely loving that. And I could never, ever have predicted in, in a million years that I would fast forward 20 years or whatever. And I, I'm doing Suicide Squad with Jim Lee and 
Uh, last year, I did a, a comic with Walt Simonson. And again, similarly, you know, I read Walt Simonson's Thor run as a teenager. So, yeah, there, there are times where you do kind of catch yourself and go, it's still a job. You know, every day, you know, any anyone's job is, <laughs> you know, sometimes it can be a grind. But, you know, I feel so fortunate to do what I do. Now, do you have any cons coming up? Any appearances? Um, I'm at, uh, I'll am at. i be at Thought Bubble in the UK, uh, which is a fantastic convention if any of your listeners are in the UK or nearby. Uh, I'm at that at the end of September, and then I'm at New York Comic Con October. And I believe that's me done with conventions for the time being. You don't do a great many during the course of the year? No, it's partly family. It's partly, I mean, in terms of the States, it's very expensive for me to get to unless someone's willing to fly me out, you know. So, I mean, I've done San Diego Comic-Con in the past, and it's great fun, but it's um, it's hugely expensive. From the UK, uh, New York Comic-Con is a little easier to get to. It's just a relatively short hop across the Atlantic, but even that, you know. So um, I'd, I'd like to do more, but um, I, that's all I've got lined up at the moment. No, I understand. I just got back from Heroes Con last weekend as we're recording this, and, you know, I'm looking at the bill. <laughs> yeah, and people tell me, Hero, I've never been, but people say Heroes Con is fantastic. Uh, a lot of my friends tell me that I should do that one, so maybe I'll get there at some point. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's convenient. I can just fly out, fairly cheap flight, stay in the hotel, which is like right across the street from the convention center, so it's super convenient. Uh, it's just something I have to budget for, but it's one of the ones I make sure I'm there because I meet so many people, so many new people. And it's a lot of fun. It's very creator focused. You know, it's not right. Hollywood TV. It's just people. And it's a lot of fun. Well, that's what I mean. I said about Thought Bubble in the UK. Thought Bubble is always, for whatever reason, every show you go to has its own vibe. And Thought Bubble always has a very positive, good vibe. And people are very enthusiastic about comics. And that's what you want, right? It's um, that, that sounds like what Heroes Con is from what I hear. Well, Rob, I wish you the best of luck with the series coming up and with the family and the taxi driving. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Thanks a lot for having me, Chris. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this edition of Creator Talks. And thank you, Rob Williams. And the Zero Issue is out on July 4th. It's just 10 cents. It's crazy. So go ahead, pick it up. Check it out. You have only a dime to lose. And stay tuned after the closing credits of the podcast. I have a little outtake from the beginning of our conversation a post-credit sequence, if you will, coming up next week. Heather Berberette. Heather is unpublished in the world of fiction, but she has been published in the world of nonfiction. Heather is a clinical psychologist specializing in relationships and trauma. Besides developing her own science fiction story titled Separation, she also has a blog, Doctor Who on the Couch. She analyzes each of the Doctor Who episodes from a psychological perspective. I'm very fortunate to have Heather on the show as a guest next week. She has some tremendous insights and is a great speaker. So please join me for that conversation. And if you haven't already had a chance to check it out, I have my podcasts summarizing Heroes Con, the experience and interviews from the con floor, as well as a follow-up interview from the con floor dedicated to just one guest, Laura Lee Gulledge. And for all of those interviews, I have the video available from the con on my YouTube channel. So just look up Creator Talks on YouTube. And not only will you find the audio of my podcast if you prefer to listen to your podcast using YouTube, but also my video interviews as well. I don't do a great deal of those throughout the course of the year. Usually I reserve those for conventions, sometimes book signings, but I'll try to pop in a few more here and there, and I'll let you know when those are available. Thank you for joining me for Creator Talks this week. The show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and also on Amazon Echo and Dot devices. Just say, Alexa, play podcast Creator Talks to hear the latest episode. 
In addition, you can listen to the show and follow it through Podbean. Your feedback is greatly appreciated, so please rate and review on iTunes if you like the show or an episode that you heard. Your ratings and reviews go a long way to helping the show, and I can't thank you enough for taking a bit of time to do that. For your convenience, in the show notes of each podcast, I have a link to my iTunes page where you can rate and review the show and see the entire list of shows available. If you haven't heard them all, take a look through. There are living legends and -and up-and-coming comic creators. Tell family and friends who like comics and comic book creators about the show. And to subscribe. The content is free. Just as valued are your comments and feedback. You can reach me through Facebook and Twitter at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. You can also reach out to me by email. You can find that at my website, creatortalks.com. At the website, you will also find blog posts, reviews of books that I have read that you might want to read too, my catalog of podcasts, and videos and other written articles on the website, creatortalks.com. A hearty thank you to all my guests. It is an honor and a privilege for you to make time to be on the show and talk to me about your work. It is your knowledge and insight into the creative process that makes the show so unique. My thanks also goes out to my family who makes this show possible, especially my executive co-producer, Mrs. Calloway. I'll be back each and every Thursday with a new interview. For Creator Talks, I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Until next time. Currently at the stage of life where I'm being a professional taxi driver for my two kids. Uh, <laughs> but yes, all is good. Yeah, I had to do the same thing, drop off the kids. One goes to a camp today. It's you know almost July and he's going to an ice skating camp. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's raining, so we'll be inside. And the other one was going to daycare. So uh, yeah, taxi service is done and we're all set to go. There we go. The taxi service represents. So uh, <laughs> where, where, where are you based? I'm in uh, Delaware, uh, about half an hour from Philadelphia. Oh, okay. I made up a mock uh, nuclear attack on Delaware in Suicide Squad. Uh, <laughs> this is a spoiler, but Captain Cold can't be bothered to do any more chasing of Batman and Deadshot, so he calls in the nuclear missiles, which are aimed at, um, I think I said, was it New York, Metropolis, Los Angeles, and I don't know, Delaware, he says. So there you go. <laughs>